the Ethical Pages podcast. Last week we had uh, Jen and Wood from Dirtbag Timing uh, on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed her upcycling journey, her story of how she uh, upcycles old climbing gear into these beautiful chalk bags and other climbing accessories. Um, yeah, so it's just like a brilliant story in a short space of time. She's created an amazing little business that supports her husband-to-be uh, and uh, a couple of other employees too. So yeah, she's like an amazing person to be in contact with within the ethical um, business world. Um, so, 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 so good to have her on the, uh, the podcast last week. Um, this week we have uh, something a little bit different, um, golf, uh, something that I know very little about. Um, I think I might have hit a few golf balls in my time, but I've never properly really played, to be honest. Uh, maybe I should do. Um, I'm a surfer at heart, as you know, uh, but people like, um, well, big surfers, the greatest sportsman alive, arguably, uh, Kelly Slater, is a keen golfer. So I'm kind of interested, interested really, to see if he's heard of uh, these guys, um, or this guy in particular. Um, he's called Ed Sanderson. He runs Ocean Tea Golf. Um, Ed, uh, I think he used to work in finance, which we'll learn about in the podcast. So I think he's got his, uh, he's got a good business money head on. Um, but he, he basically wanted to do something that was really meaningful um, and created a sustainable business. He's obviously a keen golfer himself, and he saw a massive gap and a problem within the golf industry uh, all to do with uh, yeah you guessed it sustainability um so he it basically started as these things really can do with a really simple idea um so he kind of like looked at what was wrong with the golfing industry and he noticed the little golf tees uh, not to be confused with um t-shirts golf tees um are, are made out of plastic and they <clears throat> they literally just uh, once they use they either just get like left on the golf course or just discarded and they break and they just literally will obviously be around forever it's like a single use plastic i think it probably can be recycled but with it being so tiny and um, it's obviously gonna lead to tons of problems and imagine how many golf tees are getting used every single day so uh, ed simple came up with a really simple um idea to basically create a, a golf tee out of bamboo um so he's created a ocean golf tee um, which is basically uh, yeah, a tea made out of bamboo, which has then led into a whole um, clothing uh, range, apparel. Uh, like, uh, so the amazing thing that um, Ed has done in such a short space of time is obviously created this tea and got the, the teas out there into the golfing industry, uh, but he's also created um, a clothing range which has used completely different sustainable materials which hardly any um sports manufacturer has been using so really he's kind of like uh, this, he's making groundbreaking tracks in like the golfing industry and in the sports industry and lay, laying down the foundations for other uh, bigger companies to uh, follow suit which they may or may not do Ed has uh, created uh, partnerships with uh, the Geo Foundation, which is sustain sustainability in and through golf. Um, he's uh, hooked up with Surfers Against Sewage and also the Marine Conservation Society. Um, so he actually donates 25% of the corporate profits to these charities, which um, all help to tackle plastic pollu pollution and promote health and marine um, environmentalism uh, and research and educa education um, is involved in a lot of events as well so in a really short space of time like I said before you know he's grown really quickly but he's also just become known within the golfing industry as the kind of sustainability um, 
go-to company basically because there's no other of the big bigger companies who have done this and literally through uh this bamboo tea um he's allowed he's been being able to basically been able to just have a talking point and been able to get talking about sustainability uh in in the golf industry and yeah just really spread uh incredibly quickly um so he's actually uh, i think he's a sponsor correct me if i'm wrong here of the ladies european tour um he asked me to announce that uh, because that is literally in two days of this podcast uh, coming out and so he's involved in that uh, along with a lot of other big industry golf events that have been allowed to go ahead this year so then let's get into the podcast with ed sanderson from ocean tea golf So yeah, uh, congratulations on such a uh, an amazing business. It looks totally awesome. I think I came across you quite a while ago. I don't know if you remember. I might have got yeah. in contact probably a year ago, wasn't it? Maybe. Um, but you yeah. looked very much in the inf- infancy. So looks like a lot's happened since then. Um, yeah, just talk, talk to me like why you set up and how's it going and like how how did it all start? Yeah. So the last um, the last few. Uh, well, the last 12 months, really, it's kind of really kicked on. But um, the the initial concept, I guess, came about just from my um, my passion, basically, as a as a golf nut, as, as a big sports fan, um, and being frustrated with the image that golf has um, as being a very kind of exclusive, um, old-fashioned sport that um, sort of lacks diversity and. and and any kind of modern uh, feel to it. So I wanted to sort of show, um, you know, friends who weren't golfers that actually it can be a great sport and uh, it's got scope to do some really awesome things um, considering some of the locations that it's played in. Um, so that kind of passion to sort of want to make golf, or bring golf forward a little bit, I suppose, uh, um, and make it a more of a modern sport um, combined with, I. Um, I studied marine biology at university. I, I worked uh, in marine conservation, albeit for a, very, a relatively brief period of time, mm-hmm. uh, before moving to London and working in finance for 11, 12 years. So it was kind of a couple of years ago, I was like, I need to go back to something I actually really uh, enjoy and I'm passionate about. Um, and that was basically the ocean and then sports and golf, uh, particularly. So uh, it was kind of thinking, how do I build a a brand that can help um, sort of drive sustainability to the forefront of golf. Um, and then how do I go about doing that? What products could we use to kind of enter the market and be a bit disruptive? Mm-hmm. Um, and then where do we build it from there? So that was, so I actually had the idea for the company and what I wanted to do before I knew what the product would be, right. um, which sounds a bit odd, yeah, I yeah. think. Um, Cause I just, you know, I knew that there was, that there would be interest and demand for more sustainable, environmentally friendly products in golf, um, and not everyone who plays golf um, is, is, you know, is 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 the stereotype effectively. Um, so then it was, well, what you know, what are we, um, what can I bring to market quickly? Uh, what product can I replace? Um, and obviously the the focus around the ocean, uh, plastic pollution was the main. Um, uh, was the primary focus, I suppose. So, what you know, what alternative products can we, can we bring out to replace plastic ones? So, um, then the idea of the of, you know, plastic teas are still very widely used, um, despite there being absolutely no need for them. Um, so, it was an obvious one. Also, has the added benefits that nobody had any 
brand loyalty to, to, to golf tees. You know, if it was a polo or a, a club or, or anything like that, um, it would be very difficult to do. But actually, with the tee, super simple product, um, it was, it was a case where actually we can, you know, we, we can make golf tees. How do we do that? What, what can we use? Um, and then how do we develop the brand to try and make it stand out? So that was sort of how it started. And that, and that was, that was two years ago when I was, um, still working, uh, in finance full time. So this was my, this was my morning commute, uh, into London, sort of 45 minutes on the train there, 45 minutes back. And I spend the whole time, you know, sketching what the logo might look like on my, on my notepad. And, um, and, uh, slowly it kind of, uh, it kind of built from there so um it's it's been since since the origins i guess it was then 12 months kind of doing two jobs at the same time um and then this time last year uh was when i sort of went full time at this um and that was really on the back of getting some really significant kind of traction within the industry that i did i just didn't think would have been possible at first so it's been um it's been really pleasing actually that um, you know, we've we've you know we're, we're partnering with the Ladies European Tour. We've supported European Tour events. Uh, we've worked with the Euro Pro Tour. We're in American Golf, the biggest retailer. Um, we're we're having conversations with player management groups, and that's all been quite not easy to get. It's been a lot of you know ringing up and people not answering emails and things. But actually, once you get hold of people um, within the golf industry, they're very focused on this. Um, and they've just been a bit scared or a bit nervous or a bit unsure about how to, how to make a, you know, what, what is the first step? Um, mm. so, so, so for me, it was very easy to go in and say, Hey, bamboo teas, super, super simple product. Um, switch out the ones you're using now. Let's use these. Um, the packaging is obviously, uh, quite unique. We've got a matchbox instead of sort of single use plastic bags, um, which also provides more surface area to, tell the brand message um so it it kind of sparks conversations amongst amongst golfers you know on the first tee box when they one of them pulls the box out their bag people see it and it kind of starts that conversation so that that was the idea behind the tees is it was a really simple small change that a Mm -hmm. club or a player could make and hopefully it would spark some bigger uh some some bigger conversations um which which sort of thankfully it 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 has done Um, and I think that that was one thing I've become more and more aware of actually is that, um, and disappointingly so, is a lot of organizations are just too nervous to do anything in case they get it wrong. Um, right. Which for people who, I'm sure you agree, for people who actually care about this, it's kind of the worst thing to hear because they're, they're worried about getting panned on social media or especially with, with, with players, um, with, with, with professional golfers, because yeah. they fly across the world playing golf. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they're in planes every week um mm-hmm. so they're very conscious that well if i you know if i agree to do something like this people are just going to hit me for my carbon footprint so i, I don't want to do anything because i'm going to yeah. be called a hypocrite um which you know if you're passionate about this it's, it's you can see it but equally it's you know we need to be making these steps in the right direction so there's been a lot of those sort of conversations um convincing people that uh these are good things to do and there are steps that they can take and it's it's uh um it's been kind of well received um that way because i think it's given people a bit of confidence um mm. the, i mean another major part i don't know if, if you want me to just keep keep going but 
Um, another another major part of the business. I could waffle about this <laughs> for hours. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, and another really important bit for me here is that yeah, we've got the commercial product sort of side to it, but what we're also doing is you know we donate twenty five percent of all of our profits um, to to kind of charities that are focused on marine conservation, um, but also charities that are focused on driving sustainability in golf so we've we're a corporate partner to uh, an organization called the geo foundation um that works with golf clubs it provides basically certification uh, a geo certified status to clubs if they meet certain um criteria and that's we can get everything from um sort of uh you know water management the pesticides fertilizers that are used for cycling um, wildlife, if they're doing set aside on the course and so on. So they're, they're looking at a huge, um, a huge range of um, criteria. That obviously, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, golf clubs have that, they're huge amounts of space. Um, so if they are very finely manicured and, you know, they're not leaving anything uh, aside to be sort of wild and they're, they're, they're using a huge amount of um, pesticides, fertilizers, I mean, you hear stories about in the States that, you know, they're dyeing the water blue to make it bluer and, you know, uh, they're painting flowers to make them brighter. So it's, there's definitely shocking things that have gone on and, are, and do go on, but actually there's scope there to say, well, actually, you've got, you know, you've got acres and acres of land here. You can do some really interesting things. And what the Geo Foundation does is they kind of, as well as providing these certifications, they, you know, they, they help the clubs and courses and advertise that um to the kind of golfing world and that's actually you know the big tournament you know the, the, the big golf organizations are now thinking well actually should we make it a requirement that the big courses for the you know the major tournaments have to have the certification yeah nice. and that would be massive because then you yeah. have you know it, it becomes a benchmark so there are really cool organizations in golf trying to do these things um so i'm all about trying to support trying to support them as much as possible and because we're, I mean, they're obviously a kind of not-for-profit um, organization. We obviously are a for-profit organization, but because we, um, you know, we are very focused on that. I think that's why people like the brand. It's this kind of brand, as you'll know, it doesn't work if it's not authentic. People will see yeah. through it quite quickly. Um, so I, that, that's a bit I get really excited about. Um, and then working with our kind of marine conservation partners, instead of just giving you know, a donation once a year. Um, we've actually got them to, we're trying to give them a platform within the industry to to kind of speak to golfers. Obviously at big tournaments, you might have 40, 50,000 people over the weekend. Yeah. So if you give them a tent there to just catch people's attention, that, that that's a huge um, market. So we've got some really exciting um, initiatives that we are doing. On the beginning of December, we're announcing the partnership with the Ladies European Tour Brilliant. for next year. And oh. as part of that um, partnership, we are, the Marine Conservation and Ocean Tea are kind of developing this plastic pollution awareness course for junior golfers. So at these big international golf tournaments, we're going to be inviting junior golfers from the local community to mm. come to the course, you know, meet the players, see, a, see, see one of the best courses in the world, but then we're going to be delivering this um, kind of plastic pollution awareness course, combining it with you know, beach cleans or some kind of physical activity, but ultimately give them some tips or ideas to then take back to their own golf club as kind of junior golfers to try and encourage 
and drive change that way. So it's quite a cool awesome. um, piece within the industry. Um, and I, I'm, yeah, we'll, we'll be announcing that after the 6th of December, I think it is. So <laughs> it depends when, when this goes out, but cool. it's, it's, it's those kinds of initiatives that um, I'm really focused on. And I think it's why we're getting the kind of response we're getting in the industry at the moment, because they see it more as more than just, well, let's get some bamboo teas in, or let's get a, mm -hmm. you know, a, a sustainable polo in. The, this company can actually do a bit more for us. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Amazing, man. It's like, Sorry. so, it, yeah, absolutely awesome. Thanks, John. <laughs> like, you've, uh, nah, that's what I want. <laughs> so, no one wants to hear me talk. Um, I want to, I want to learn as much from you as possible. So, it's yeah. kind of like what you've created is a bit of a catalyst product more than anything. And it's creates like a seed in everyone's minds uh, within the golf yeah. industry. So, you've done, you kind of like, it's amazing that you came to the idea not necessarily with the golf tea in mind at, the, at first. You just knew yeah. that there was a, a gap well not not so much a gap in the market really it's more like you just wanted to change the golf industry um, and make it better um, and yeah. it's amazing isn't it like that you can come up with an idea like the golf tee and then all the different things within that one industry that it has like this amazing knock-on effect and everyone yeah. wants it the thing about it like um, every, all everyday golfers want that change um, yeah but, so it's just there for taking it's like a completely new um, new, new in, oh, reinventing the industry almost, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think so. I, th I think that's um, I, as you said, there, there there is a demand for um, more sustainable products in golf, and I think it. I think it all great, and you, and you can see it with the, you know the the bigger brands are, um, you know, a lot of them are doing recycled polyester kind of polos and and things like that now. Um, well, that's basically all golf brands are doing it. That's kind of their green yeah. product is is yeah. a recycled um, polyester, which is obviously a good first step. But it's kind of it, it's the same thing we're we're doing with the clothing, I guess, is we're trying to spark conversation. So each mm -hmm. e each item we bring out, we're trying to introduce a fabric or a process to the golf industry for the first time that says actually you can make sports gear uh, from alternative materials to polyester and elastane and spandex and so we've, um, for example, the first, uh, yeah, the polo that we've, we've just done is a blend of organic cotton and uh, this Royka Eco Smart kind of stretch yarn, which is basically a biodegradable elastane. Right, uh, so it's got the performance element to it, but it, but it will break down naturally, um, wow. uh, you know, in a relatively short period without releasing harmful uh, chemicals. So it's, we're, we're trying to say that this technology does exist yeah. and it's not, ridiculously expensive um sure it's it's more expensive but it, you know it, it, it's within a normal kind of price that you'd expect mm -hmm. um and we're you know for me it would be ideal if next you know next autumn winter golf brands start using it and, and are using that fabric that that's kind of what i want to happen because yeah. ultimately um hopefully next year there'll be another technology or fabric that we can uh will have found and i, I sort of partnered initially with the um the sustainable angle which is a not-for-profit that organized kind of a fashion expo every year mm -hmm. where they try and give these uh textile innovators and r d kind of um geniuses basically a platform to talk about things they're developing fabrics and processes right, so amazing, yeah. that i kind of met them and then they they recommended the uh this um 
well, our manufacturing partner, first of all, um, who then had, he, he'd then seen this stretch yarn uh, being used. So I kind of want to each year have that. So each garment has a different sort of sustainable story. Um, and then ultimately kind of do more collaborations with the bigger brands. Cause I'm, I can be understand that with the tea, what we've done is quite, um, it's kind of a very different market because we, we kind of have come in and we've kind of have taken a decent chunk. Whereas with clothing, it's been very difficult for us to yeah. do that just because it's huge. Like, you don't get added acid. It's, it's yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. happen in, in a season. But if we can have our own little niche range of quite interesting products, and then actually other brands say to us, well, actually, we, we want to do something. Could you do a, you know, within this range, could you could could you do a few garments for us? So that's kind of how I want that to develop. And we've done that. We've, we've done one collaboration with Stromberg so far, and I'm hoping next year we'll, we'll do more. So it's kind of almost becomes a sort of, uh, I, not a consultancy is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? It's kind of working yeah, with, totally. with the other brands. Um, yeah. Which again comes back to the idea of not being. Uh, I, I think it's, it's easy to be very overly defensive and um, critical of, of bigger brands um, and, and people generally who aren't so passionate about the things that we're sort of passionate about. But actually, I, I, I see that as my biggest opportunity is if I can yeah. convince them that, you know. If they're making 10,000 polo shirts and I'm making 100 a year, then if I can change 10% of theirs, that's 10 times what I'm doing anyway. So, yeah, totally. you know, it's a bigger, I think that must work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, um, so that's that's kind of the, but that's still very fresh. Like the clothing is, 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 um, is very new still. So, hopefully, that's something for next year. Yeah, amazing. It sounds uh, interesting that material that you talked about. Um, I've just actually uh, found out about um, fabric made out of seaweed um fairly recently i don't know if you've heard about that which i'm looking is into that, and hopefully is that the sea cell yeah sea cell yeah yeah and yeah i think there's another one as well um i chatted with a a, <coughs> a guy who runs um green ocean farming so um i'm trying to sort of collaborate with him to invest in seaweed farms basically uh, yeah. in these blocks where we what i want with our business is that a percentage or a pound let's say goes to um investing in these seaweed blocks um which okay. obviously is amazing for carbon but also you can make uh fabric and t-shirts out yeah. of seaweed but i think it's very much in its infancy but it might be worth yeah. some, worth looking into for your brand as well yeah what well, was that green green ocean farm yeah, I'll, I can, I'll send you um, his uh, contact details if you want. It'd be really interesting. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, uh, it sounds like he's at the moment, he's just getting licenses, um, I think. Yeah. And it's become really popular. A lot of people want to invest in it. Um, so it's like he's opening up for next year in terms of the taking yeah. the investment. And then he has to get, because it all has to be, it all has to go through bureaucracy, through uh, yeah. parliament and everything, because you, you're effectively um renting the ocean you know the the yeah the, the queen's uh seabed <laughs> so yeah. it's like yeah, it's, yeah. Go on, is that like a um is, is he doing that as a as a as a sort of commercial business then as well so he'll be selling think, that yeah i think it's a bit of both is, yeah. it's like um yeah he, he kind of he came to it actually from uh finding socks i think he had di he's got diabetes 
Um, so there's a sock that you can buy that's made out of this seaweed fabric, which is meant to be really good yeah. for diabetes. And that's how we came to it. Um, yeah, right. And obviously there's just a massive, yeah. it's at the very beginning really by the sounds of it in terms of mm. seaweed farms, particularly in the UK. I think it's quite big in Norway um, and Iceland and Australia, I think you were saying. Uh, but the UK is just starting. Um, and yeah. you get loads of businesses like my business uh, who do uh, plant planting tree programs and it's something yeah. that I've just I don't know I decided I've not I've been on the fence about doing it for ages in terms of going down that planting tree route um because yeah like I don't know if you know but like planting a tree isn't going to do very much it's going to take like tens and 20 30 years for it to yeah. actually uh, release any carbon where the seaweed um it's pretty mm. much instantaneous the amount of carbon that um it soaks up yeah. so um, yeah, really interesting. I'll send you this, send you this details. Yeah, that yeah. that sounds really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, what's been so you've like pretty much exploded really in sort of this in a very short period of time. So it must be totally amazing. Like, are you not feeling a bit overwhelmed or you? Yeah, completely, completely <laughs> overwhelmed. Um, yeah. In a, in a, it's 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 um, it's hard to it's hard to explain. I think because. The the job I was in previously was uh, very tough from an hours of work point of view. It was sort of central London investment management kind of role where, you know, you're doing 12 hours plus a day, but it's a different, it's a very different type of pressure. I was always very frustrated that I wasn't doing really what I necessarily was that passionate about. So it's just more of a kind of angry sort of frustration you get in that kind of role. Where, and, uh, and that, you know, that, I don't know, that's how I sort of, think of it in my head whereas this is I'm just constantly thinking about it but it's kind of an excited anxiety I guess um, but it's, it's so it's, it's I mean I'm sure it's exactly the same for you but it, it, it's just um it's overwhelming in the sense that you're just thinking oh I need to do that or I need to do this or what if we did that or what if we do this or and then I so I've definitely um the last few months I've, I've been working with uh, you know I've outsourced as much from a business point of view as I can which is turned out to be um i got very lucky basically i almost signed a lease for an office space in february um mm. which i think would have killed we would have oh, might have um, knocked us out so yeah, um, yeah. I, not yeah. doing that and, and i thought about um sort of getting someone in to work with me um and instead i kind of um, outsourced that as well at the time so those two decisions had gone the other way in january mm. february then i think would really struggle to be here now so i've got kind of lucky um but i've um yeah, I've, I've always tried to sort of um, kind of outsource as much as I can there, but then you, you still end up just thinking about it the, <laughs> the, the whole time. And um, yeah. it's, it's, I think we're getting, there's a few things I'm looking to do at the moment, basically with um, with a few of the partners. That means hopefully next year we'll be able to, I'll be able to grow the team. Effectively. So I think that's something um, it, that's probably needed now um so we're, we're hoping to get into in into the u.s next year mm. um into one of the stores the big kind of um uh retail kind of uh national kind of outlets there so that yeah, would be right. a big a big step um so if that happens i definitely need some some more help <laughs> um, amazing yeah unreal so yeah to, just because i mean the this podcast is 
not just about like being an ethical business, but it's also like the struggles and challenges you face as uh, running a business. And obviously you, you, you're still like a startup, I suppose. Um, yeah. And you're talking about like outsourcing uh, certain mm-hmm. parts of the business so that you actually don't have to do it. So um, what, what do you outsource and like how, how have you found that working? Have you found decent people to work with? Um, has yeah. it been a challenging um, part? Yeah, I, I think the, the most challenging part at first was just you got to you, you have to you have to value your own time instead of thinking yeah. oh it's free because I'm doing it and getting your, your head around that bit I think is is um is big. So I mean I've outsourced uh, initially we were doing you know fulfillment from our own website and the, all the fulfillment side was outsourcing the the, the uh, pick and pack and uh all the posted side um at the moment we've moved that back so we've got a you've got an agreement with american gold so they are actually fulfilling all of our orders um cool. and from the fulfillment outsourcing you know i i went through two different partners in um in the first six months because of you, you kind of rush into it a little bit i didn't really consider my finance background as well it's a bit shocking but I didn't do enough research about the the, the um the pricing effectively that, that I was be paying and mm. once I dig, dig around a little bit more I thought well I'll, I'll move now but then I moved and you have quality issues where you're getting people complaining about the wrong products being sent out there. so so the fulfillment side has been one of the harder um, yeah. areas for me I got I've outsourced um, all the PR and marketing uh, social media um, yeah. elements that for golf was very um i think looking back at it now that was a big moment because golf's actually a relatively small industry um of people who know each other um okay. so to have somebody already within the industry who had experience um but also personally i got on very well with so i met a few people and actually i thought well, actually these people um you know they got they got in contact with me which was nice because they wanted to you know they liked the sound of the business but then they were kind of passionate about it as well. But equally, they had the golf connections and they knew people to introduce me to. So that helped enormously, that kind of PR side, I guess. Um, how relevant that is for other areas um, or other industries, I'm not sure. But for golf, it was huge because, um, as I said, you've got, you know, you've got some really big organizations that kind of dominate effectively mm-hmm. at the moment. So getting in there was... Was super important. Um, all the finance side, luckily, that's my kind of background um, to the accounting. And I think, to be honest, uh, just for making me feel comfortable enough to set up the business, having that finance background was super valuable because yeah. you don't get as worried about things like, oh God, how what is payroll and how's that going to work and mm. how do I do my VAT return? You know, everything sounds super complicated, but actually, it's not. So I think mm-hmm. that was I. I really admire people who do it who haven't got any kind of finance experience because it must seem like a, a nightmare um <laughs> so um yeah so those those are the sort of main bit and then obviously a uh, graphic designer i've got a guy who um who, who does all of that with me or work with so um I, I found that i've got a lot of um i'm a lot more creative than i thought i was before i started the business so i've got a lot of ideas on how I want things to be but ultimately I've not got the capability I don't know how to do it how to design it and you know, yeah so working with um Pete um who's the designer there has been absolutely awesome because you know he brings those ideas in as well so mm-hmm. this is one of the main things I'm struggling with now actually is thinking because I have k 
kept quite close control on everything from everything like the you know the designs to um obviously the strategy from customers and and, and the sales kind of strategy when i do bring on people i'm a bit nervous about being able to step away and 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 actually the whole reason why you bring people on is because they're adding something that you don't have Sorry. so allowing them to do that without being um too yeah. over controlling yeah. absolutely <laughs> i think like when especially when it's been like your baby the the handover yeah. of those roles and you because you know how it's done and you've done it for that amount of time can be um yeah really daunting and scary but i think with any business if you don't actually do that you're never gonna advance you'll stay yeah. at a certain in a certain area you've got to, uh, and people the thing at the end of the day people are good at certain things as well you can't be good at like graphic design you can't be good at the pr and marketing yeah uh, you, you you're good at one certain thing uh and just nailing that but yeah it sounds like you've yeah. totally you've set up well it's a um I suppose it's retail as well. So I'm, I'm actually, my background is a, I'm a designer, um, okay. graphic designer, web designer, owner, another business, like a, a brand, um, I'm a like branding expert, I suppose. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my, my, uh, my background. Um, so. How, yeah, so how long ago did you set up? Inland Sea. Inland Sea is uh, just over three years old now. Yeah. So, uh, so, so sorry, what, what I was trying to say was my, background is like service-based so you've, yeah. you're very much like you, you employ a graphic designer you bill them for the job um and it's just your hours it's just your creativity yeah. creativity that's paid for um but whereas retail it's a completely different ball game yeah. and i came to it it's it's kind of like been a long time long-term passion of mine um to is surfing and wanting to set up a sort of surf brand um and i kind of exactly the same as you i really struggled with like plastic pollution uh, and set the yeah. business up initially to raise awareness of litter and plastic pollution in cities and how that affects uh, the beaches um and then obviously like climate change and the climate crisis has kind of come gone really big a lot more now and it's become more about yeah. that i suppose but what what i found was it's just like learning about retail um, and obviously i think it sounds quite similar to you if you've just been in a finance finance job um mm. learning retail of like how have you found that as a challenge because i think that's what i find the most difficult um because like I, I can you can make a t-shirt for say four to five pounds and i can sell it for yeah. triple that amount of money but the issue is is am i going to sell it in what time period yeah. am I going to sell it? Am I going to sell small, medium, extra small, etc.? Mm. It's just yeah, that's what I found. Uh, so yeah, how, how have you found like the transition? I think the the one good thing about my the finance that I had, I suppose, is that I I kind of for a period of it was uh, a consultancy type role where we we're investing in different types of companies. So I had some exposure to industries and a little bit to retail, but. Not um, not really when you actually get to nuts and bolts of it, do you know really what's going on? So um, from the, I guess with the tease, it was it's such a simple product that it was kind of a nice introduction to it. And obviously I still, I was selling via my own, my own site um, and it was just testing the market there with, um, you know, I did as much research as I could from a price point um, sort of point of view. Um, and then fortunately, when it's come to the clothing, which is obviously a lot more complicated, um, I have been, you know, I've been partnering with, with American Golf as, as the retailer. So they've okay. been able to tell me, actually, you sell, you know, yeah. 
10% will be small, 20% will be, you know, they've been able to guide me there, um, which has been super helpful. Um, also, I'm, I'm really, I think the, I don't know if this is from the things I've done in the past, but I'm quite confident now in the sense just to ask a lot of questions and mm. not really feel too hesitant to do that. Because ultimately, you know, um, you know, we've built these things, which is which is a really cool thing to have done. So I'm not I'm not pretending to have um, to know exactly every element. So I, I, I ask a lot of questions yeah. uh, when I'm speaking to people, and I think actually people kind of respect that. Um, yeah. so that's definitely something I, I would recommend to um, to people who are kind of uh, you know doing this. And, and yeah, you definitely need support. So other people who are doing similar things or people within your industry who you're working directly with, I think mm -hmm. um, it's, it's people find it more exciting than anything else. I think to yeah you know, so to be helping yeah. out and yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, talk me through like um, the actual bamboo tea. Is it uh, is it have you got like a patent on it, or is it sort of something that you can't do with that? Um, talk talk me through the material as well. Yeah, so the um, so the golf tea kind of first ever patent for a golf tea was sort of back in the like nineteen tens or something. So that's exactly. that's obviously sort of expired. So the actual um, we do we we do a few different sizes. So we've got the sort of standard shaped tea, and then there's something called a castle tea, which basically has a, a graduated step in it. So when you push it into the ground, it always stops at the same height. Yeah. Um, but basically those are the two designs. And um, as I think most people will be able to imagine that they're, they're pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, so we, the, the first thing we did was um, looked at, well, obviously, um, you know, plastic teas were, you know, they're at least 50% of the market, especially a lot of these castle teas are made of plastic. So they're slightly more complicated to, to manufacture. Um, and you know the biggest, the, well, the, the biggest manufacturer in 2018 when we were starting this was a company called Pride, and they're making about one and a half billion teas a year. So roughly half mm. of those being plastic. You know, it's, it's a, people yeah. think it's only a small thing, but that's a, it's a lot of plastic, um, and it's getting discarded directly onto golf courses, so, which then get watered regularly. So they're getting washed away straight into waterways, usually, is that what happens, or picked yeah. up by. Um, there's one a club we worked with called Royal, Royal North Devon who, who banned plastic teas. Um, right. And they did it because they were actually, well, not because that one of the, the, the sort of bits of information that kind of drove it home for them was that they found loads of plastic teas in birds' nests along the oh, course because right. the birds were picking them up mm -hmm. and you know, trying to make their nests out. And also they're right on the beach. They're also being just discarded. Um, mm -hmm. The birds were picking up and dropping them or they were just being sort of knocked on or picked up by the wind or, or blown basically onto the onto the sand. So um, that was obviously the, the main aim. And then we were looking at well, there's traditional hardwood, but there's the issues there with uh, deforestation associated with that general kind of hardwood versus bamboo. Um, but then also a lot of the hardwood teas are painted white um, anyway, and uh, the type of paint that's used to do that, um, whatever solvent, whatever that, that's based in, was obviously what we wanted to address. So. Um, for the actual bamboo, we looked at a few sources. We looked at, could we get FSC certified bamboo to make the teas from? And then did a bit more research about that. And, and uh, especially two years ago, the, you know, the FSC certification is a bit gray when it comes over into bamboo. People aren't sure whether the bamboo should be yeah. sort of classified within that. So we, uh, we basically um, started looking for 
manufacturers across the world who, who could produce bamboo teas for us. Um, and obviously China, uh, being aware a lot of the a lot of the bamboo is, um, was the, the first point of call. I was obviously very nervous to do that, uh, just because it's um, obviously a long it's a long way away. Um, it's you know there's, there's, there's obvious questions there about um, how how are you going to make sure that your um, your, your your supplier is following the, the regulations they say they are, how, how are they treating people, where they've been manufactured. Um, so the uh, we, we basically had six or seven, um, well, from a short list of about uh, 10 different manufacturers that we initially spoke to, six or seven that we then uh, sort of took board and we, and we tried out the product. Um, and then we, we narrowed that down for three or four different uh, suppliers who we then had a series of, of, of kind of conference calls with, um, talks about where they're based, how they're working. Um, and then of those, two of the companies really could sort of back up everything they were saying with their, um, the, well, the, the one we've moved forward with, um, they basically have a hundred hectare uh, sort of forest in the Zhangji province. Um, and they are, um, Farming that under the the, the sort of um, Forestry Bureau of China logging permits, and, and they could they had everything to back it up. Mm. They introduced us to their team. You know, they they, they did a virtual tour of their um, of, of their manufacturing plant. Yeah, um, so they, we we got as comfortable as we could do um, with the facility. I was then due to go out there in April, um, and then that got cancelled. So I'm, I'm hoping to go out there at the beginning of next year to meet yeah. them face to face, which I would have wanted to do a lot a lot sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's so, so, so we, we got comfortable that way with the sort of both source um, of, of the bamboo and also how it was being processed. Um, we don't coat our teas in anything, so they're not being um, treated in various different varnishes, which generally are yeah. basically a plastic sometimes. So you, it could be, you know, you see quite a few teas actually which have, um, you know, they're, they're, they're saying they're, they're better because they're not painted or whatever, but they're actually varnished um, in, in something which is, is, is going to release uh, harmful toxins when it breaks down. So um, we don't, so we looked at that. Also, we actually want the teas to break down because once mm -hmm. they've been discarded, we do want them to, yeah, um, course, you, don't, yeah. you don't want a, a bamboo tea that isn't going to break down because it kind of defies the point. Um, so, that, so that's the sort of, um, the kind of material focus i guess was there and then we've done things internally so when we're uh when we're shipping the teas over we just do uh one or two very large shipments per year uh, yeah. always by a sea freight we never use air um we've changed the um the packaging that the manufacturer uses because they they would usually just send out you know a thousand teas in a plastic bag so if you order a million teas quite a lot of plastic coming over. Mm. Uh, so we've changed that to being 10,000 teas and the plastic they're using is always recycled plastic. Right. Um, so we, there's, no, there's no kind of virgin plastic being used at any stage from the basic bamboo forest to our site here. Um, and then in the UK, all the packing is done by hand. All the packaging is, 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 comes from an FSC certified supplier in the UK, which is 15 minutes down the road from our, to, to our warehouse. Nice. Um, and then from that point, it's all packaged up. There's no plastic at all, recycled or not. There's, there's no plastic after that point. Um, and that's when we then ship it out to our, um, our to the suppliers. So it's, um, yeah, it, it was quite, uh, again, it's, it's kind of evolved, I think, to get it to the point it is now. We, we've changed things to try and improve them. Um, but it's, it, was, uh, it, was, it was enjoyable, that 
stage though because yeah, right. before we'd really got anything to market and we're thinking oh how does this work and how can we do this and, yeah. um it's uh it's, yeah so it, it was it was a massive learning curve for me but a really exciting one um yeah, yeah for sure amazing mate absolutely amazing yeah so it's like like it's it's amazing to hear that you've just thought about all those different th the factors that can happen all along the journey of like getting the teas uh, from china and just really good to hear that you've actually like properly yeah. gone about it in that way yeah, it's amazing um yeah so in, in terms of like the clients and the target market um like and especially like i suppose we started talking about like in the golf industry like how bothered mm. are, are people are golfers um you know like your target market do they do they really want that change do they really want the bamboo tees um how you know like in i suppose in the surfing industry people surfers in general are supposed to be like really eco-friendly and all that um, yeah what's what's it like within the golf industry with people really accepting of this yeah i i think overall i've been hugely uh encouraged by the response um there's obviously a mixed response you go to uh certain clubs and um Quite often there are there's a lot of bureaucracy within clubs. There's a lot of people involved in making decisions, um, so that can have an impact. Um, but generally, you'll find that within each organisation I've spoken to, um, there's a general understanding that this is this is important to be focusing on. But there are two or three people there who genuinely are passionate about it, and they'll be the ones who are going to help to drive it. Yeah. So that's that's what's sort of pleased me from a from an organisation point of view. So that's with you know with the big tools and um and, and and the tournaments that we've worked with from an actual consumer point of view um the i think the reason why they've done well is actually the bam bamboo as a material makes a huge amount of sense to use for a tea because um traditional wooden teas can snap very easily okay. um, and that's their main criticism is people say well i you know i use plastic teas because wooden ones just snap all the time and uh you know it's, it's wasteful isn't it if i keep using hundreds of wooden teas and yeah. um bamboo because it's naturally very flexible it's naturally very strong um it, it's kind of perfect for that kind of compressive um strength that it needs uh so the, the, the rts do last sort of two three times longer than a traditional wooden tea mm -hmm. um might still be less than a plastic tea but it's it's kind of a it is a high performing sustainable alternative to a plastic tea uh, more so than a than a hardwood so i think people have that's always been our focus as we're saying that these are actually high performance golf products. It's the same with our clothing. We like to say this, this has been made for the purpose of playing golf and it's, 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 it's a, you know, it's a performance product. Mm -hmm. It just also happens to be built around a sustainable mindset. Um, mm -hmm. So I think positioning the product that way means the consumers have been quite like to give them a try. Cause they're like, well, actually, you know, they're supposed to be good teas as well. Um, so I think that has helped a lot. Um, one issue you have in, in golf, I mean, that's say from a just your average golfer going into a store to buy tees, I think they're very open to it. Yeah. Um, one of the issues you have are golf clubs are, you know, the, the shops within golf clubs are actually owned by or, or run by the professional uh, golfer at that club. It's not really owned by the club itself. Okay. So you have a load of small businesses within the golf clubs and they'll have established supply chains and you know, they'll be buying loads of stuff um, off one supplier. Do, yeah. as well as doing teas they do gloves and hats and towels and, and so on so they're like well we love it but you know i'm only a small business i'm only going to buy 50 boxes so it's not worth the deal to it there so mm -hmm. trying to convince them that actually this you know your 
your customers will really like this. They'll, you know, they, they will buy more. Um, that's been a bit more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, yeah. So getting access to the golf clubs, but, but getting access to individual golfers and the, and the tours and the tournaments has been easier. So it's, that was quite surprising. Um, are you scared of uh, of anyone? Can can any other bigger company, golf company, uh, effectively copy the idea? Uh, is yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a few uh, a few um, competitors who have emerged now saying, um, you know, with Biodegrade, which, which I, I I think is great. The one thing yeah. we've done very differently from the start is that, uh, you know, we we haven't used any single use. Um, Sort of plastic packaging at any point we've had our our matchbox idea so i think yeah. uh if people were if, if the bigger brands were to now start selling their teas and matchboxes i think we've got enough of a presence in the uk for people to be oh, like oh that's quite funny they're just copying ocean tea yeah um, so they're less likely to do it yeah and it's like yeah. that authentic kind of yeah. point and also the matchbox has a, has a purpose in the sense that um it keeps teas sort of organized and easily accessible in your golf bag so okay. quite often you rip open a bag of teas they'll fall and they're all in the bottom of your bag and you reach in and you know, your hand's getting spiked by the teas that are in the bottom of the bag and so it does actually have a purpose as well as um, cool. having that kind of environmental uh, point to it but I think all the other bits that the brand's doing now and the, the kind of run we've had over last year and the partnerships with obviously that the focus on donating profits and working with our charity partners and and organizing these kind of educational sessions and initiatives and and being involved with the tours and the tournaments and um, that hopefully is protecting the brand because a big you know one of the bigger tea provide uh, manufacturers can't really go to the european tour and say hey well yeah, we're yeah. because actually 95 <laughs> percent of their other products are do come in plastic bags and they are made from yeah. plastic so it's yeah. it's i think the the industry would see through that so mm. obviously i'm still worried about it uh but i hope that we've developed the brand enough for people to yeah. associate it with more than just teas um with a kind of more of an ethos uh which which we're, we're hoping to now further with the kind of uh with the apparel range and, mm -hmm. and, and introducing new fabrics and processes yeah, amazing, mate. I think you just you want that uh, product where people just think golf tea or bamboo tea, they, they immediately will think of you guys. Um, and yeah. you've got like a really, really strong back brand, really thought out brand. Um, I'm sure that yeah. will be the case. Yeah, amazing, man. Um, so, yeah, the one uh, I watched the video just earlier. Uh, that's oh, yeah. absolutely <laughs> amazing. I really, really love it. Um, so, one of the, I noticed that you're certified by Greenpeace. Is that right? So, that's that the, yeah. So the manufacturing, uh, well, the manufacturer that we use for all of our clothing yeah. uh, is a company based in Lithuania okay. um, and they're basically vertically integrated. So they do everything from sourcing the, um, you know, going directly to the mills basically to get the, uh, get the yarns in there and, they're, and they're, they do everything in-house, all the dyeing, mm. um, all the, the whole manufacturing process and the packaging. Um, and they have basically, they're, they're the only, uh, manufacturing the world to have so far met the procurement standards set by Greenpeace. Um, so as we use them for 100% of our clothing, um, that's how we can, you know, um, effectively refer to that. But it's great because they, uh, their whole business, I mean, their kind of tagline is organically innovative, um, the, this manufacturer. Yeah. Um, so they, 
everything they do, all the all the cotton we use has got certified. Um, all the all, all, all the dyes are, uh, are ecotech. It's difficult saying that. Um, so it's kind of they are from a manufacturing partner point of view perfect for us because they they focus their whole business on it. Um, and now we can we can work with them to uh, develop fabrics and, and tweak them and change them, which is what we did for the, the Mako Polish uh, fabric. Uh, is work with them on different blends of cotton and, and this biodegradable elastic, see what works from a golf perspective. So again, it's almost mini, well, it's a big outsourced project basically to this manufacturer who then would work with our outsourced designer as well. So again, it's sort of um, incredible, yeah. Doing everything outside at the moment. Yeah, amazing, mate. Um, yeah, if, uh, I mean, have you got contact details for that? Yeah, for yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah they're called well. Etenos. Cool. Um, I'll, I'll chat to you. Well, I'll yeah, send yeah. you an email after this if you want. Them. Yeah. yeah, amazing. That'd be awesome. That's one of the things that I found really difficult um, myself within Monsi is just having any direct uh, like contact with an actual factory because that's the ultimate yeah. the ultimate um, way to grow my business. It would be to have that at the moment. I don't have that. It's just yeah. um, a use third party. Um, I yeah. know um, Continental Clothing is probably. One of my main yeah. uh, guys that I use to, to source t-shirts yeah. at the moment, but yeah, yeah, this 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 place is great. Um, I I went out there in um, uh, February or March, um, yeah. and it's it's unbelievable. The it, 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 they employ about eight hundred to a thousand people, so it's a big yeah, sort of facility. Um, but they have everything. They what they did a full a full kind of tour and walked around and, and they showed everything you could possibly want to see so you could um you know from from all the dyeing processes to the actual work floor where they had their um their team actually doing all the stitching and, and things mm -hmm. and the embroidery machines and um mm -hmm. it was really quite impressive uh, and obviously it's in it's in europe so it's a little bit closer easier to manage uh, yeah you know, it's a two-hour flight um to get there so it was um yeah i'd highly recommend them so we're, we're going to we're using them again for our awesome winter um range yeah amazing yeah that'd be amazing thanks um so uh yeah we'll quickly touch on a uh, covid and what it, what it's yeah. meant for your business as well as the golf industry um yeah well i mean for golf it's been a it's been actually oddly positive um yeah. because i think a lot of people now are valuing their time outside um yeah. they're not commuting as much um a lot of people generally just thinking about their lives and and and, and uh, what maybe I, th I think there's basically a lot of returning golfers people who played when they were younger and now want to get back into it. So ever since the golf clubs reopened, um, yeah. they've all seen an increase in membership applications. Right, uh, they've right. been packed uh, every mm -hmm. day. So whether that's a very short-term reaction to this, and actually next year, hopefully when we get back to normality, they'll you know plateau back down, or whether maybe that will. I think people's you know, the amount people are commuting probably will change. People will have time during the week to play golf. So hopefully um, it does see see some sort of long-term sustained growth. But definitely the, the immediate impact has been uh, positive in, in, an, in, a, in an odd way. Um, for me personally, uh, I got, as I said earlier, I got lucky not making a few commitments yeah, like yeah, office space yeah. and, and, yeah, and staff that would have... Yeah. Could be really difficult. We actually delivered our first drop of clothing to American Golf. Uh, was a, a Stromberg collaboration piece, polo shirt, um, and that was due to be delivered on the second week of April. 
um, yeah. and it was going through manufacturing in the last two weeks of March. Um, so obviously that was bang on. So sort of lockdown in the UK, I think, was around the 20th of March, 21st March, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was. This was the first big kind of contract we had with American Golf, and I wanted everything to go smoothly. Um, I was already get, having like sleepless nights about it going wrong, and then everything just started falling apart. And I was like, oh, God, are they still going to be able to make it? Is it you know? Um, so I was speaking to the factory, uh, the manufacturer every day, just checking it was on time, and they were like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. You know, we've got COVID safe setup in their in their yeah. um, factory, and they'll still deliver it. So I was almost unbelievably so they they finished everything on time they packed it all up and they and they were delivering it so they they basically drive um from lithuania uh to the uk to to, to deliver the goods directly mm-hmm. um so they they basically rang me saying yeah the, the you know the the lorries have left uh they should be with you in two to three days mm-hmm. so i was kind of tracking them um cool. and then they rang me uh about two hours before they were supposed to deliver the goods, all, all on track still. So I was like, okay, brilliant. And then at the end of the day, I had a, an email saying, uh, just the first line was, I've got some terrible news. And I was just like, oh God, what's happened here? Uh, and basically 60 miles away from the American Gulf warehouse where they were being delivered, yeah. um, the driver had pulled over to fill up the lorry and the lorry had been vandalized and half the stock had been stolen. Oh my God. Um, so this was the middle of April. Uh, yeah. I was doing lockdown actually with my in-laws at the time. So I was <laughs> locked down with the in-laws oh, trying to see this first ever delivery of goods to see if it would make it uh, to my first big customer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't COVID. It wasn't the manufacturing. Yeah, it wasn't really kind isn't? of like the delivery of the ship. Mm. It was just the fact that some guys nicked it. 60 Crazy. miles outside of the uh, warehouse so that i actually sort of laughed at that point so i thought how i mean this is just completely ridiculous and yeah. uh obviously spoke to american golf they were they were fine about it the manufacturers uh sort of got going again and produced again within six six weeks and we got oh, it right. worked out so, so it, you know it, it all kind of worked out in the end but it just made me i was getting a bit down anyway because obviously everyone was no knew what was yeah, going to happen yeah, yeah. Is then you know when are we going to come out of this? Is my business going to survive? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. something like that happens. You just think, okay, you just need yeah. to, <laughs> so, need to uh, look on the bright side, I guess. <laughs> there's some ocean tea apparel uh, out there on the black market. There is. I saw. <laughs> I saw actually a couple of. Did you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So on 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 eBay. So, uh, really? You joking? There. Yeah. Um, oh. It was there for a couple of days and then it disappeared. So I was, yeah, we were going to try and track it. Well. Yeah. American Golf have got like a team to look at this type of stuff, so they're going to look into it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was just a, it was a real eye opener not to take yourself too seriously, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> but, that's like the whole COVID made has made people think that, haven't they? As well, like within, yeah. especially when you run your own business, like uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like since then, they luckily things have kind of uh, mm. just started to pick up. And one of the good things is actually. Uh, well, it's been bad in a sense, but with a lot of the tournaments being cancelled uh, initially and your professional sports were stopping, a lot of people within those organisations who weren't on furlough were actually available to talk about things we could do and changes we could make. So yeah, a lot of people I've been trying to get hold of actually had a bit of time for yeah, which yeah. is great, um, yeah. which hopefully has, has led to um, some things happening now, which maybe 
maybe wouldn't have done if if it if it hadn't have happened. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I really can't complain at all when you when you see what's happened to you, uh, some people and some other businesses. Um, I think I've got very lucky both with the industry I'm I'm in, mm -hmm. and also with the way the business was set up that it could kind of get through this with relatively low fixed cost. Yeah, amazing, mate. I'm really pleased with you. So the last thing that I ask uh, is just if cool. you have any other ethical businesses that you would recommend that I could possibly approach for the podcast. Yeah, so it's 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 um it's quite a big business, but actually okay. I, I was I, I was thinking about this and um one area which I'm sort of fascinated in that I've uh, worked in in the kind of investment management space a little bit is, is, is energy basically. Yeah. Uh, so we were, we were working on some, uh, um, renewable energy investments, solar parks and wind turbines and anaerobic digestion plants and things is one of the, one of the funds that I was working with. Mm -hmm. And, um, that kind of made me much more aware about the type, you know, that actually as a, as a general consumer, where is your energy actually coming from? Yeah. So we've recently switched, um, uh, my, my wife, I found actually with uh, we, we've moved to People's Energy, uh, which is a organisation which are very much focused on renewable energy um, and and kind of transparency and you know kind of breaking down the sort of uh, the energy hierarchy that kind of exists at the moment. So from a sustainability point of view, I thought it's actually a very interesting question for people to consider. Is actually, where something we all use, we obviously all completely reliant on. So where is your energy coming from, mm -hmm. and who is your energy supplier? Um, and what are they doing to address um, sustainability within the energy industry? So I think that I, I'd recommend people's energy. That's ended up being cheaper as well. But um, yeah. just I'd recommend people look at their energy suppliers and think, is there something that they could do there to, to make totally. a change? Because it could be a very simple switch for them that could have a big, a big impact. Yeah. I think people don't realise that there's actually sustainable energy supplies out there either. So yeah, uh, it's like everyone just thinks you, do, you just it's like Scottish Power or whatever. There's like yeah. just a, a small amount of choices, but it's actually like yeah, yeah. I'll have a look at those. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. People's energy. Brilliant. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's been absolutely awesome, mate. Really, really enjoyed it. Like uh, yeah, yeah, thanks so much for your time. Is in power.